You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirit. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to those true ancestral helping spirits, those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful from our ancestral line to us here today, who bring that legacy that we might use it in our own time to rise to the challenges of our time, to learn to be better people, and to innovate and create where our time calls us to do that so that we can bring the new medicines to the world. And today in particular, I call out to those ancestors that really want to lean in so that we, the living, can do what we need to do for the next generations, so that we can show up and put things right so that those who are coming do not spend their entire lives cleaning up our own messes. So we call out to this great cycle of life, the ancestors behind and the descendants before, and we ask these energies to come and hold us well in this day. And we call out to all of those ancestors that never bothered with a human form but are here as plants and animals and bugs and fish, birds, and all the many different manifestations of this magnificent web of life. We call out to all of those energies that were here long before there was ever a person and will be here long after. We ask these wise ones to be with us here today and to hold us well. Help us to learn how to show up in the world in our most magnificent manifesting. And as these energies gather around us here today, let us call ourselves into presence here today. Let us reach out with our mind and draw ourselves in from wherever we might be and draw ourselves into our head. Take a nice deep breath and draw ourselves deeper into our body, into our heart. And another nice deep breath and draw ourselves all the way deep down into the belly. And take a moment from the belly then to reach out to the earth herself and give gratitude for this day. Take this one single focused moment to give thanks for your life. Thanks for the incredible beauty here, the great diversity, the absolute magnificence in the ecosystems around us, that great complexity, and yet the harmony. We give gratitude for the constant teaching from the earth in nature all around us as we begin to send our energy down, down through all the layers of the earth to connect to the very center of the earth and take a moment and choose to be grounded and to turn our attention to those energies that gain their power from silence, from stillness, from solitude, and from darkness. And may we reach into these energies that help us to recuperate in our physical body, our spiritual body, our heart and our soul. We call out to these energies that nourish all life here on earth and we draw them up from the earth up into our bodies. And we ask these energies to help to teach us about connection and interconnection and how to be in good relationship with others around us, with our environment and with the invisible world. And as we learn to be in better relationship with those things that are outside of us, may we become in the right relationship with the many energies inside of us on our own many perspectives and many internal selves. And as we come in the right relationship, learning from the earth how to do so, let us reach up from our heart into our head, all the way up and out the top of our head, out through the sky and whatever weather it holds for you today, out through the atmosphere and all the way up into the cosmos and all the way to the highest power of the universe, however you understand this energy, by whatever name you call it, whatever it is to you that is the radiant divine energy above, we reach up to this energy and call it down into our day, 
into our bodies and into these proceedings. We call down the essence energy of blessing. We call down the energy of protection. We let these energies fill us and flow out from us to others. We call down inspiration and illumination and innovation and that quality of being the lighthouse in the storm. We call these energies in, drawing in the benevolence of this universe, send these energies all the way down through the body, down to connect to the center of the earth, and in this way, we become that place in which the above and below come together in balance. In this big love energy that is the energy of legend that birthed our entire experience of form into existence. And we let that big love awaken the spirit of our own human heart, open up all the chambers of the heart, and let that crucible of transformation fire up and come online as you draw up your passion for why you are here, your own unique genius, and draw down the crystal clarity from your mind of how you're going to do that in your time. And let these energies mix and merge here in that crucible of the heart so that you come to understand your gifts in this life and find the courage in your heart to do those gifts, to bring them out into the world, to share them with others, to make them manifest in some way, large or small, in this day. And for the boundless spirit help that we have to do these very things, we give great gratitude. May what needs to be said be said, and what needs to be heard be heard, and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. And I want to give special thanks to you wonderful living things who've shown up in this life as a human for being willing and able to offer financial support to Why Shamanism Now that keeps it on the air, that keeps the archives available to anyone who can get online. We now have over 450 hours of podcasts about the practical application of shamanism in our contemporary lives. And I am deeply grateful for people like Aisha and Deborah, for Katie, Dwayne, Stephanie, Julie, and all those listeners who have donated financially, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. If you'd like to donate, scroll uh, scroll down from the support button and donate any amount, large or small, in any currency. We are deeply grateful for all of it. And for those of you that are not able to donate financially, understand that is not the only resource that human beings bring to the world and to their lives. And there are many things that you can do to help the show to grow, not the least of which is to use the practices in your own life and see what happens. So for the many things you are, all you listeners are doing to help the show to grow, I am deeply grateful. I am also grateful that we have Sandra Ingerman with us again today. Thank you, Sandy. Yeah, it's great to be here, and like you said, it's kind of like we're doing a blue moon show. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I've actually been chuckling about that for about a week. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So today, we're going to talk about shamanism and children, and then we'll focus a little bit on teens so that we can then talk about Sandra's other new book at this time called The Hidden Worlds, which she co-authored with Catherine Wood. And um, for those of you that want to find uh, information, you can go to sandraingerman.com and you can find resources about shamanic uh, practitioners and teachers at shamanicteachers.com. And we obviously have a whole bunch of shows from Sandy in the archives at Why Shamanism Now. So um, there is no shortage of ways to connect with Sandra Ingerman and all the many resources that she offers us in the world to connect with her teachings. So thanks, Sandy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm delighted to be here. And one of my favorite topics, I have many favorite topics, but one is uh, talking about working with children shamanically and how important that is right now. So, um, so let's talk about just a couple different age groups and work our way up to the teens that the book is really for. Let's talk about just what, what do you love about shamanism with the little guys? Like before they go to school and get confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, some kids get confused before they go to school, but True. Um, <laughs> Um, You know, the thing that I think is really important to understand is that um, in shamanic cultures, it was understood that 
children were already living in the unseen realms all the time. So they didn't need shamanic knowledge. They needed to learn how to live life and and on every show that I've been on with you, Christina, we've talked about the things that um, children were brought up with in shamanic cultures of learning how to add strength to the community because the community is one organism and you add strength to the community by sharing your unique gifts and um, how to use your words as blessings instead of cursing and how to use your imagination to create a good world for yourself and the the you know the community the tribe that you're living in how to talk to every being in nature because every being in nature has medicine that um, we need and they need us, so how do we be in relationship? And so those kinds of things were taught to children at a very young age, and we missed learning that at a very young age, which is kind of why um, in our culture we're stepping into shamanism kind of backwards, and first we're going into deep spiritual healing practices, and then we're learning afterwards what children learned while they were growing up before they were introduced to these practices so it's pretty wild um you know to watch the the evolution of of what has happened uh with shamanism and then it was understood that once a child entered puberty that the veils between the worlds started to close down for them and so the reason that shamanic journeying and a lot of other spiritual methods weren't taught to children is because they already knew the children were talking to spirits all the time they didn't need that kind of education they needed more of a rule book of how to live life but they didn't need an education in how to talk to spirits. We all talk to spirits. We all did. Children are natural shamanic journeyers. And so it was seen that you didn't bring a, pers- a child into true shamanic practice until they reach puberty. But in our culture, um, what I started to notice, because I started teaching children had a journey pretty much, you know, after I started uh, teaching, which was in the 1980s. So I've been working with kids for over 35 years. Is that in our culture, the doors between the worlds are closing very early ages. And I was so horrified when I was writing something about working with children over 10 years ago to learn that the age of anorexia was down to three because of of girls watching TV and, and, you know, seeing an image. So when you look at shamanic cultures who say, well, you wait until puberty to introduce your children to this work, We can't say that in this culture because I have found in my experience by the time children get to puberty, if you didn't give them some good spiritual tools and practices to work with, they're actually not interested anymore at that point. So um, just to kind of bring this one conversation to a close, I decided to write a book back in the 1990s uh, for children. Of um, It was going to be a book written for parents that how parents could teach their children how to lead, uh, do ceremonies, perform ceremonies, just like I wrote in the book A Ceremony for Adults. But this was a book for children, how to release their pain, how to call in their greatest dreams, And I decided to co-write it with a good friend of mine who is a brilliant shamanic practitioner, but also a well-known child psychotherapist. And um, so we started writing this book together and we put out, you know, we got my agent involved and she started sending the book proposal to 
different publishers because I just really felt like kids had popped out of the world of shamanism and they needed to come back in. And I had already been teaching children um, shamanic journeying very successful since the 1980s, but the culture wasn't ready for something like that. Mm. So there was no, there was no publisher who was willing to pick up the book. But what I asked my friend who was the child psychotherapist for when she felt that we should be teaching children how to journey, she said, as soon as they start talking. Hmm. So, you know, that's really the age that we have to start moving down to, to teach children how to journey, to give them the spiritual foundation to navigate the craziness in the world today, but also, you know, to help them process and also get the richness and the meaning and the joy that comes when we bring spiritual practices into our life instead of only seeing the world as material and that joy only comes from the next device or the next toy that you can get, you know? So, you know, so we're, we're looking at trying to give children the tools they need so that um, they can, just like we need to build the spiritual muscles, so they have the tools to be able to ride what's happening in the world right now, too. And and as they get older, I mean, think of the world that they're stepping into. Yeah, They're really going to need feminism. They're going to need it more than we do right now. Yeah. And I know for, like, if I just think back on my own childhood, and I'm old, right? So <laughs> it's even worse for kids now. But I was pretty, pretty established in my depression by about 12. So it'd be much earlier now. And it is only because there were other things in my life that kind of kept this belief in, in magic and possibility in these other realms alive in my life that I didn't just completely crumble under that. Right depression and the other thing and the the other things in my life that were the factors that created that depression and and I can't imagine you know losing that relationship with magic so early that as you know you become preteen and and those huge emotions start swirling you around if you're already depressed and there's mm-hmm. no hope there's no magic there's no fantasy there's no helping spirits i don't even know i don't i do not even know what yeah 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 it's amazing and it's amazing how many people say exactly the same thing that you know you just said that um um you were in touch with that magic and it was the help it was the spirits because i've worked with you know really really abused children um And they remember during their times of abuse, uh, the fairies, the angels, the animal spirits standing by their side, um, supporting them on some level. And that's Mm -hmm. how they got through the pain of their childhood. And, you know, that's a real gift for children, you know, to have to help them get through that kind of those kinds of traumatic initiation experiences yeah well and one thing about practicing soul loss with adults um is you see these places where um a kind of trauma happened in childhood which was not outwardly traumatic but inwardly traumatic like the the day that they finally understood in you know, Sunday school, that that person teaching them really did mean they had to stop talking to Jesus because only that guy over there could. And the incredible soul loss when they had to give up this great relationship they were having with Jesus, you know, and, you know, you see these places where well-meaning adults are even severing this natural relationship that kids have already created, like you said, because they're naturally doing that, but also these relationships that are saving their soul, really. Right, right. 
and when I do slow retrievals with kids, I mean, they're great. And they really help me out, and they're wonderful to work with. Um, <clears throat> they, you know, I'll say, you know, when bad things happen to you, put a piece of yourself in a safe place, and they'll go, oh, yeah, you mean like the day that mommy or daddy yelled at me and I put a piece of myself under the bed? Are you going to get that back for me? And I go, yeah. And they go, can I help? And and when I do extraction work on kids, and I go, okay, I'm going to pull on the owie and you push. And so it, it brings us into deeper relationship when they do the healing work because they participate with me. And they also understand shamanic healing really well. They understand soul loss. They understand that they went away to hide when things were really hard. And they understand that they need that part back. And what I find both about children and animals and doing shamanic healing work with children and animals is the results are almost instantaneous because with adults, we've built up all this stuff. I don't deserve. Um, is this real? Uh, does she know what she's doing? Have I lost my mind? You know, <laughs> kids and animals, they just receive the healing and move mm-hmm. on. You exactly. Know? So yeah. I love working with them, and I, I've had the best experiences working with kids with nightmares and um they come and I teach them how to journey and find their power animal who will protect them. And then we make little medicine bags um, that they can put under their bed at night that protect them from the night, you know, from the mm-hmm. nightmares. And they really get into it and it really, really works, you know. Yeah. And they're so appreciative, you know, they're just so appreciative in ways that you don't see adults when you teach kids how to journey. And I taught a workshop for seven-year-olds in Salt Lake City um, back in the late 1980s. And um, I had their parents come because I don't have children myself. And I knew I was going to need some help talking to a group of children managing them anyway, which I did. Um, And they were so appreciative of learning who their power animals were. And what all they wanted to know was how they could thank them for taking Mm -hmm. care of them and protecting them and helping them. It was just really incredibly sweet, you know, to see that level of gratitude for a helping spirit that has come to protect them. And and then, of course, you know, they got into, I was so happy the parents were there because they got into a discussion of whose power animals were stronger to help them deal with the monsters in the closet. And I lost Mm -hmm. control of the group for a good (laughs) half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, you know, there is that piece, though, where they just appreciate having somebody talk with them about this world they're experiencing and the grownups won't validate it and won't talk about it with them and don't know how to accurately speak to this this all this invisible world stuff. They're completely aware of dead people in the house, you know, that part of that part of the neighborhood is icky, you know, all these all in kid language, but it's all totally accurate, but they don't know what to make of it. They don't, you know, back to that whole thing of giving them the understanding they need to be, you know, good people in the world. Part of it is giving them an understanding of the invisible world, but when their parents don't have it, that becomes problematic. Yeah, but, you know, I I do teach a lot, you know, of how to work with children. And so we have, I mean, we have thousands of practitioners Mm -hmm. and a lot of them, my students, some of them not going into the schools they work in and they bring some drums and rattles and, you know, they're, they don't maybe teach a formal journey class, but they have the kids drumming and rattling and dancing and what animal is coming to help them and ask them how it helps and and parents are noticing i mean one of the effects that's happening is parents are noticing their kids are coming home happy and uplifted and they're not um they're not so wound up their energy is is more um solid and not Mm -hmm. so chaotic and not so add Mm -hmm. and 
though things are changing rapidly because of how many people have just are going in and um, going into schools and bringing this wonderful work. And, you know, I was invited in the schools so many years ago, which is why I saw, you know, how much kids gravitated towards this work. And so when I started teaching workshops, I kept on saying, teach the children, teach the children. Mm -hmm. I love this. And I've had seven-year-olds in my extraction workshops who we're in absolute wonder of the work that they do. You know, kids, I mean, back in the 80s, I had seven- and six-year-olds in my beginning workshops. Their parents brought them, and, and I said, of course. And on my online classes, I'm getting so many case studies of parents who are taking my online classes, but the kids are taking them with the parents, and they work on each other when I give exercises to do on another person. They do it for each other, and it's just wild, you know, so things have really, they see the need, and they're stepping up, and they're letting their kids learn how to journey by taking online courses with them, or or the wonder of, of practitioners coming into being invited into schools or teachers who are trained in shamanism bringing the work into their own schools and Mm -hmm. so it's happening it's happening um in a very big way yeah yeah well let's do our due diligence here and then move on and talk some more about the book so due diligence wise is there anything in particular that you think people should be cautious with with children or any particular danger Well, you know, there's always caution in teaching spiritual practices because um, you have to know how to ground in any spiritual work, no matter what age you are. You know, grounding is really important. And I actually haven't. We, we, you know, I, I listen out there to see what problems are coming up, and um, there's, I just am not hearing a lot of problems with teaching uh, children, you know, real simple. You know, we're not talking about advanced stuff. We're just talking simple. You have a, a power animal who's protecting you, and what words do you want to say that, bring in the best of life and dance like a star, you know, when you're teaching transfiguration. So, you know, there's nothing um, exceptional to bring in that one would worry about. But like adults, if you have a child that doesn't know how to ground and, and just really is struggling to know the difference between ordinary reality and non-ordinary reality, that would be a child where I would back up from and just um, give them more grounding of taking them into nature and doing exercises in nature to help them ground and feel themselves being part of life, you know, and on the earth. So just like shamanic journeying for adults, I would never um, say that it was for everybody because, you know, you need to be able to know the difference between the worlds. And the other thing, too, just briefly is... Um, it depends on the school, but kids have to be instructed when they learn how to journey to not talk about it in schools. If they're in a school where it's not progressive and these kinds of things are not talked about, because then that creates more problems because the kids are looked at as being weird and something, you know, it just creates um, an avenue for bullying if kids kind of don't know when it's okay to talk about their helping spirits and when this is secret knowledge just for them. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Sandy, what made you feel that it was time for the hidden worlds to get written and and brought out into the world? What what sparked that? Well, (laughs) actually, uh, The Hidden Worlds was written in 1997. (laughs) Mm So how many years ago is that? That was like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I already shared, I didn't have children. So I wrote what I thought was a beautiful story 
about these children in dream time at night. They were going into this world and meeting with an elder teacher around a fire and the elder teacher helped them find their power animals and all the lessons, you know, I had lessons Mm -hmm. that I bring through in all my books. And my agent said, who's the ultimate mother, I mean, she was born to be a mom. Uh, She said, this is the worst book I've ever read. (laughs) (laughs) So that began an adventure of trying to find somebody who could help me bring in a side story and to actually uh, bring in some storytelling so that the book doesn't one spiritual lesson after another where the the kids were being, you know, flooded with spiritual lessons, but where was the fun, where was the joy and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so it was quite an adventure to find somebody and finally um, um, I asked Catherine Wood at a, a reunion I was at with some teachers I had trained and she said yes and another woman, Barb Haas, um, did some wonderful consultation with us, and Catherine kind of helped, um, you know, we devised a story together, and then Catherine wrote in that particular piece to what I had already written, so we wove together um, the lessons that I was bringing through, but then the adventure of um, the children having to use their power animals to help discover the adults that were polluting a river that was making people in town sick and how the power animals led them to finding solutions. And, you know, that that part of the book I didn't know how to bring in, you know, that kind of adventure mm-hmm. story. I was just bringing in the shamanic lessons. So I'm trusting that the time is right because, you know, a lot of books are coming out for children on shamanism right now, and the time is right for that mm-hmm. to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember um, many years ago as the first Harry Potter books came out, you know, the kids had to wait and wait for the next one to get released. And I was talking at the time I was researching the encyclopedia so I was in the library a lot and I was talking to a librarian in the kids area I was taking a break and wandering around and she said that it was that these books were the best thing to happen for her section of the library because kids were reading again and they Mm -hmm. they wanted other authors and other storylines to follow while they waited for the next Harry Potter book to come out and I felt I was reminded of that when I read the reviews of this book um, from kids who said that every review starts with, I don't really read books. (laughs) (laughs) But I would read more books like this. This was a really fun story. And and it was like kid after kid was saying sort of a version of a similar thing, which is that kids don't read anymore. And this Mm -hmm. is what the librarian, of course, was saying. And that, that whole rediscovery for children that there are there's magic in storytelling there's the the magic that they're looking for is right here and that they can access it through reading but i thought it was funny that every single kid had some version of the same thing which is i would read more of this kind of story right yeah yeah and and also it's it's a special experience, too, when these stories can be shared with parents and be shared with grandparents. And so, you know, a lot of the books that are coming out for kids right now, shamanically, um, you know, I'm hoping that parents and grandparents buy them for the kids, too, and actually enter into the shamanic world with them by reading the stories together. You know, there's the both and because you have the age group that the hidden worlds actually has more of an expansive um, age group than just um, preteen. And so definitely preteen at that point are probably going to be wanting more separation from their parents and their grandparents and wanting wanting to be reading the book in, in private. But you, you get a child seven or nine years old, um, this is a great book to read with 
parents and grandparents and friends and um, share the magic and the story and the joy together. So, you know, there's many different relationships that form um, with uh, bringing community in and sharing the stories that are in books, too. Yeah, and it's um, so it's also a wonderful gift as we move into a gift-giving season. It's a, would be a wonderful gift as well for, as you said, for parents and grandparents and aunts yeah. and uncles and everybody, especially if you're going to be spending time with the younger generation in your family over the holidays that you could maybe even, you know, actually read some of the book together as Sandy's mm-hmm. describing. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, and, you know, The Hidden Worlds is um, – and and this is what children really need right now. I know there's brilliant uh, children's books out there. The Hidden Worlds is not um, the only one, but is you know one of many that have come onto the market. Um, is there's so much uh, that can help children dealing with the fear and the pain and watching the suffering um, that's going on in, in the world today. And there's so much wisdom and so much comforting terms and knowledge and how to get through, you know, some of the challenges and how to call on help um, to give kids that kind of spiritual foundation because this is what adults are looking for right now. Mm-hmm. How do we find practices that help us to stay healthy and balanced and feeling centered as the world is spinning in such a crazy direction? We're all in a place of vertigo right now, I think. And kids need that too. So what a gift to to give to a child, to give them a little bit of comfort um, in a world that's spinning in ways that we're having a hard time following right now. Well, and and just to return to the book, the book is not only about the storyline of the environment, which is an important storyline, certainly since I'm sure kids are looking at that situation and wondering if there's even going to be a world for them when they're grown up. Um, happy thought. Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> there's um, The book is also about different kids. These aren't a natural friend group, these, mm-hmm. these kids. And so um, do you want to speak to how you know, how they navigate that within this context of the things they're learning about their helping spirits and such. Yeah, it was really interesting because the main character is named Isaiah, and he actually uh, came to me in a dream and introduced himself to me. So that's how the book started to be Hmm. born, was Isaiah coming to me in a dream. And and then everything started moving, you know, the storyline mm-hmm. started moving from there. And then um, I started journeying and starting to talk to Isaiah. I, you know, these ideas weren't coming through me. And Isaiah started um, giving me different names like Rose and George and... Um, and power animals is octopus and hmm. you know not not always the usual things that we we think about and so there was an alchemy that was that Isaiah was pulling together this group of kids that was also different but there was such an important message in that of Isaiah had really um bad lungs and he was dealing with asthma he was um he's a very frail you know child that's how he showed himself to me in the dream and you know these are the types of kids that get bullied in school and so um bringing in kind of a group of kids where you had kids like Isaiah who was very spiritually strong and became the leader of the group, but needed a little bit more physical health. And, you know, then you had George, who had the brains, but also didn't have the physical 
um, what he needed on the physical levels. But then you have Rose, who you know is more in her body, and so it it just showed how a community of people really different because that's what we're living in. How communities of people really different could um, use their skills not only to help an environmental situation, but how they could help each other. And so at first, you know, there was the usual conflict of different kids coming together and non-acceptance. But then what we find the same thing with adults, when you give them an important project to work on, all of a sudden the differences melt away and and people start to share their greatest strengths of what they have to add to help with this dilemma. So that's what happened in the book was these different kids were, who are you? I don't like you. I don't relate to you. But all of a sudden discovered a dangerous um, situation with polluted water in their community and they drop their differences to come together to heal the community and that's what we do um, today in the world as things fall apart in communities people who are so different who hate each other who have different beliefs do drop those beliefs and come together to work together um, for survival. And so to me, it's just a beautiful way of saying that same principle that everybody can drop their differences goes all the way down to children, to to the elderly. Um, and the time is now for us to come together to work together as a community to solve um, environmental and other issues that we're facing. I, I saw, I don't listen to the news anymore, but I get enough news, trust me. But I saw, I saw a headline this morning just pop up on my iPad before checking emails uh, that said, this is the last generation that has the possibility of um, stopping more damage to the environment we are the last generation you know mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. quite the statement uh, mm -hmm. and so everybody who's different at some point is going to have to come together <laughs> <laughs> and that's children too <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um, I'm, I'm assuming, of course, that uh, the children also then needed to use shamanism once they figured out what was going on to deal with the grown-ups. Right, exactly. So, you know, that, of course, is the key uh, to what we're trying to bring through in the book and to children as we teach them how to journey is that every one of us has these amazing helping spirits that um, have knowledge and could look at our own personal health, our own life, and also what we're working on, the big mystery of what was causing the pollution in this river, you know, the helping spirits that the animals worked with, um, you know, eagle and octopus and bear were really able to give the children clues and to help them feel protected but also empowered at the same time which is the key you don't want children to think that they don't have any power that everything is around the helping spirits because we're living on a time on the planet where the helping spirits definitely have a power to help us in partnership as we carry our own power into the world. And so the beauty of that, the hidden worlds is how the power animals actually showed the children how they can carry more personal power in their life and back to school and back into their community, which is what we all really need to be doing right now is to be empowered and to learn how to carry power which is our destiny. Beautiful. 
So I would like to connect this just for a moment to another book that you wrote quite a while ago, The Medicine for the Earth. Because it seems to me, it's always seemed to me actually from when you wrote this book that this was such a beautiful way for people to begin to move their basic shamanic skills, not just, you know, across generations and working together, but out into, into the world to actually affect change in their world versus, you know, constantly journeying in their heads about their own personal life. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, if we are the last generation, this is a big project. So, you know, what about sort of dreaming into this idea of, I mean, would kids be able to make a step from this book, the Hidden Worlds book, into the Medicine for the Earth work? Maybe not the book, but the work? Well, you know, the the Hidden Worlds is actually the Medicine for the Earth work. What I did was I took Medicine for the Earth and I took all the lessons of Medicine for the Earth, but I I turned them around for children how how the elements give us life earth air water fire gives us life there the sun just doesn't shine there is no life without the sun and the sun is what gives us energy not technology and not electricity and so all the lessons that i was trying to teach about how we use our words um, to create and manifest how we use our words for blessing or cursing, how our thoughts affect other living beings, and how our dreams, our daydreaming affects the world. These were these were all the lessons that I put into medicine. I mean, that I put into the hidden worlds. But what my agent and what publishers were trying to explain to me is, I put in all the lessons of medicine for the earth without any other story to soften it for children. So I was mm-hmm. just giving them practice after practice mm-hmm. after practice. But every practice for medicine for the earth is so easy to integrate into a child's life. I mean, the the core practice of the medicine for the earth work of how we can transmute personal and environmental toxins is that light heals, light transforms, light transmutes. And so the practice of transfiguration, of radiating your light, um, and all the experiments we did to show how you can transmute um, water that has toxins in it just by being in a state of light yourself and letting it radiate, not even sending anything to the water, and kids get that principle, and they get it in ways that adults don't. You have a, you bring a kid into dancing like a star and teach them to radiate their light, to bring joy and to heal the planet. They get it. You know, they really get it. Mm-hmm. So that lesson is embedded in the hidden worlds, and all the lessons from medicine for the earth are embedded in the hidden worlds because. This is child's work because this is what children were taught growing up in a shamanic culture. And it's what children and adults in the Western world are learning right now, the true wisdom, remembering the old ancient wisdom that can help us transform what's happening on the planet today. And so what I was thinking here is, so let's say that you are a parent or a grandparent and you know that you have, you know, uh, kids or grandkids that are depressed about the state of the environment. They are worried. They are afraid. They feel, you know, day by day less and less empowered to do anything about it. It seems to me is over the stretch of a year, potentially beginning with the Hidden Worlds as a gift, you know, reading it with the kid, having them getting excited about that, but then realizing as the adults and the lives of these kids, you could take on a local project 
uh, mm-hmm. in the environment, right? And and just bring through, you know, the grown-ups would be, you know, using medicine for the earth, the book, or bring in one of the many teachers that's happy to teach it, you know, but is is got a bit more structure there to guide it, but could really, you know, like you said, the kids are naturals, but they still mm-hmm. need, a, you know, they need someone to bring the structure and, and the boundaries, but the the incredible empowerment that could come for kids that are afraid of what is going on around them for good reason, right? To actually change something in their own world. What a beautiful yeah. gift. Yeah. Kids are, they're scared right now. And, um, you know, you can see it in their eyes and, you know, kids that are older and you can see the anger in their eyes, but, um, you know, there's fear behind it. So being able to uh, give children in our world, you know, as I've already said, I don't want to keep repeating, we are looking for it as adults. You can only imagine what kids are Mm. looking for right now. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk. We're we're almost at the end of the show, but let's let's just do a little little imagination here at the end. So Let's talk about, I mean, you've been alluding to it, but we're both practitioners in this time as well. And we, we deal with a lot of stuff that's real and problematic in our world. But let's imagine a possible future, maybe not so far in the future. And what if kindergarten was purely about helping kids gain the skills to be grounded, to connect with nature, to know who their helping spirit is, to know, and what if all of these things you're talking about was what happened at kindergarten? And what if the kids all created, you know, elemental shrines and took, took uh, turns for who was going to tend the shrine for that week or whatever, just the way we used to take turns, who got to take the hamster home, Right over the weekend and make sure it got fed, right? You know, and that they, you know, they played uh, different games to learn about their energy and their energy body and, you know, those wonderful experiments where you talk to plants and if you're mean to them, they don't grow up very well. And if you love them, they grow up really big. I mean, what if that was the whole point at like kindergarten age and and let's say the day begins with so good morning who had an interesting dream last night and you spent the whole first chunk of the morning talking about dreams and 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 learning from your dreams instead of like math or something <laughs> so right. so if we imagine that as a foundation for a generation like if you imagine into that how how would you see things evolving as those kids begin to go through their life? Well, what comes up for me as you laid out this beautiful dream, which I I will definitely put fuel to, um, is that when kids are given that kind of start, that kind of foundation, then they know how to problem solve easily because you teach them how to be in the flow of life. Shamanism is all about getting back in the flow of life and not seeing yourself as separate from life, but you're in life and part of life and part of all these organisms and part of the elements and part of one grand uh, organism. And when you really get in the flow, what happens is problem solving becomes very easy. And knowing how to work through conflict uh, unfolds easily. So solutions, when you're in the flow of life, solutions show themselves. And so the greatest gift that we can give uh, children, uh, teenagers, and adults is the tools they need so that problem solving and working through conflict doesn't end up to be in the place that we are right now. There was a whole different way we could have done this one, a whole different way if we were a bit more in the flow. And um, so, you know, 
that that really summarizes it for me is you give people a good spiritual foundation and then they know how to deal with every illness, every problem and every conflict that comes up in a graceful way instead of letting things explode. And if things do explode, they have the tools for how to pull it back together again and how to transform it and how to work the energies to create something new out of what did die and what came out of that explosion. So it's just about learning more how to actually be an active participant in life and not get thrown off center by everything that happens in the outside world. Mm. Yeah, I'm 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 liking this this <laughs> vision for a future. I think one thing adults forget that um I learned from shamanism a long time ago because I tend to get into this, oh my God, it's so horrible. We'll never be able to fix it all. And the shamans look at you like you're crazy and they just say, you know, you just have to change the dreams of one generation mm-hmm. and they'll dream a different world. Right. And that's, I mean, and what we've been talking about for this whole hour is how that actually works. It isn't just a new age platitude. It does work when you change how you use your words, how, how you, uh, you know, all of the things that we've talked about here this morning. Um, so, Sandy, is there anything else as we're coming for our last few minutes here that you would say just about the book or this whole topic of shamanism and children, anything we haven't quite touched on yet? Well, um, The Hidden Worlds is really a beautiful story that brings children um, into the world of shamanism. And I just really don't want um, parents to also feel shy about actually teaching children how to journey. Again, if you feel it's appropriate, if the child you know, can ground and you're not dealing with huge behavior problems, then you can still teach children how to journey, but that's a little bit more than I can talk about in this phone call. (laughs) And so um, if people would like a resource of how to teach people how to journey, I actually wrote about it in Awakening to the Spirit Worlds, which I co-wrote with Hank Wesselman. And we actually have a beautiful chapter on working with children in that book. And so um, the tools of how to teach children how to journey are in some of my books and especially Awakening. But to give children this beautiful foundation of knowing what's possible that's what the hidden worlds will really um, feed such inspiration for children. And I'm just really excited for every child who has the opportunity to read this book and remembers why they came here, because that's what the hidden worlds will help children to do. Thank you, Sandy. And thanks to Catherine for helping you bring the the story in that could help the kids put it all into kid context and know that they really could engage in this way. It's beautiful. Thanks to both of you. She did a fabulous job. Fabulous. So I would like every invite everyone, whether we're you're listening while we're coming into the holiday gift giving season or just listening at any point in time, to see this profound possibility of of buying this book, sharing it with a child in your life, either because letting them go off and read it themselves or reading it with them depending on their age and their inclination. And then, especially if, I mean, if you're listening to this show, you're interested in shamanism. And so to do as Sandy just said, don't be shy. Let it help them take the next step and the next step and to learn about their helping spirits and potentially guide them in the work. As Sandy said, it's a direct dovetail with Medicine for the Earth. And pick a project in your local community and teach Um, help the kids to learn that this can be real in their life, a real tool for problem solving and a real tool for addressing the world that they are inheriting and to be able to find love and joy and empowerment as they face the challenges of their time. And this, if we can give them any gift, it would be that is the knowing that they can rise to their time. 
And so thank you, Sandy, for giving us this beautiful way to reach out to children in today's complicated world. Mm. You're, I'm just really excited, and thank you for having uh, me on the show. And soon, hopefully, Catherine and I will be working on a book uh, that will have children doing ceremonies um, based on the book of ceremony, too. So this is a work in progress. We're not stopping. We're continuing. So there's more coming soon. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you, Sandy. So everybody, you can find Sandra and her work and her books at Sandra Ingerman, I-N-G-E-R-M-A-N.com. And uh, let us take a moment and just give thanks to the earth below and the sky above, all the helping spirits that have gathered around us here today, and the heart that connects us all. Thank you, Sandy, and thank you, everyone, for listening.